Our reading today comes from Philippians 2, verses 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also the interests of others. Please be seated. <clears throat> if we expand our um, our focus of these two verses into the, the, the greater context, both in Philippians chapter 1 as well as Philippians chapter 2. Paul here is writing about how to maintain unity in a church. And as he's writing about maintaining unity in a church, he says, don't do this. Do not do anything through selfish ambition or conceit. Now, there's a single Greek word that's translated as selfish ambition. And this Greek word has a, a range of meaning that includes prioritizing oneself over other Christians, uh, being in rivalry with other Christians, being sinfully jealous of other Christians, promoting factions within the church, and having a party spirit within the church. And so the selfish ambition Paul is prohibiting here can generally be expressed as me above others, me before others, me instead of others, me against others, or just me and no others. But this doesn't need to be limited to the selfish, ambition, selfish ambitions of individuals. It can also apply to families within the church. And it can apply to cliques within the church. And it can apply to factions within the church. We simply need to make the pronoun plural to represent these types of manifestations of selfish ambition. Us above others. Us before others. Us instead of others. Us against others. Or just us and no others. And what Paul is saying here in Philippians 2 is that when an individual within a church does things through selfish ambition, then that individual is sinning as well as contributing to the division within the church. And when a family within the church does things through selfish ambition, or when a clique within a church does things through, through selfish ambition, or when a faction within a church does things through selfish ambition, then that family, clique, or faction is sinning and contributing to the division of the church. But Paul isn't just denouncing the divisive sin of selfish ambition within the church. He's also denouncing the closely related sin of conceit. Some of our English translations render this as empty conceit or vain conceit. And the Greek term literally means empty glory. It literally means empty glory, referring to a form of glory where there's no reason for glory. To illustrate what this word means and what Paul is describing, picture a 100-meter race. Eight runners take off, sprinting down the track, but only one of them wins. The winner celebrates his victory with his hands in the air. He begins beating his chest as if to say, I'm the best, 
I'm the champion. Nobody is as good as me. That's conceit, but it's not empty conceit. It's not empty conceit because he did just prove that he's faster than his competition. Empty conceit would be the runner who came in last place acting like he came in first place. Empty conceit is when the last place runner is parading himself out in front of the crowds, raising his arms in the air, beating on his chest, exclaiming at the top of his lungs, look how great I am. I'm the best. Nobody's faster than me. That's what Paul says Christians do within the context of the church. And it's destructive to the unity of the body. Paul is well aware that we glory in ourselves when we have no legitimate reason for glory. It's self-delusion is what it is. It's thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. It's thinking that we're something when there's no actual basis for that thought. Selfish ambitions and empty conceit are destructive to the unity of the church. That's the point that Paul is making in verse 3. Because these things destroy the unity of the church of God, which Jesus purchased with his very own blood, we're commanded to do nothing through selfish ambition and to do nothing through empty conceit. Rather, Paul says, we're to be lowly in mind and esteem others better than ourselves. That's the opposite. When we put off selfish ambition and empty conceit, we put on lowliness of mind and esteeming others better than ourselves. To be lowly in mind means to be humble. Uh, To esteem others better than yourself means that you treat them as if they're more important than you are. Paul writes in verse four that when you do this, when you put on these virtues, then you'll look out not only for your own interests, but you'll also be looking out for the interests of others. And that, brothers and sisters, maintains the unity of the church. So how can you know if you're properly esteeming others better than yourself? What might you look at or look for within your own life as an indication that you're looking out for the interests of others? I suggest you begin by looking at your habits of conversation because your conversations with your fellow church members serve as a pretty good indication of what your heart attitude is toward them. Let me give you three points to consider. First, when one of, you, when one of your fellow church members tells you something about themselves, do you frequently redirect the conversation to make it about you? For example, if somebody says, I went to the dentist the other day, Do you respond by saying something like, oh, the dentist, let me tell you about the time I had a root canal. And then you spend the next 10 minutes dominating the conversation. The second point of consideration is how many questions do you ask people? This is a way of assessing how much listening you do. Listening is an excellent indicator of Um, that you are actually looking out for the interests of others, yet we're not very good at quantifying 
the amount of listening that we do. So a better metric is to look at how many questions you ask during a conversation because questions reflect your desire to know what the other person has to say. Questions demonstrate that you esteem the person you're, you're speaking with to the degree that you want to get to know them better. And questions say, here, I, I don't need to be in control of this conversation. I'm content to listen to whatever you think is appropriate and important right now. That's esteeming others as more important than yourself. That's looking out to the interests of others. So how many questions do you ask when you're in dialogue with your fellow Christians? And a third thing to consider is how zealous you are to include bystanders in your conversation. If you're looking out only for your own interests, then you might be in a group of seven or eight people, but you may only be conversing with one or two of them. Everybody else is just observing your conversation. But if you're considering the needs of others, then you'll make efforts to include the other people, not as observers, but as participants in the conversation. You'll try to steer the direction of the conversation in order to include the people who are on the periphery of this, of this group. You'll want them to be involved. These are just three suggestions for how you can begin to assess whether you're displaying a heart of selfish ambition and empty conceit, or whether you are lowly of mind and esteeming others better than yourself. Of course, your assessment should go further than the three suggestions I just gave. This is a starting point. And your assessment should look to other areas of interaction with Christians, not just your conversation habits, but ultimately, all of us rely upon the Holy Spirit to convict us of our sin. Jesus said in John 16, 18, that the work of the Spirit is to convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So where the Holy Spirit has convicted you of sin this morning, remember first and foremost that God pardons and forgives all who truly repent of their sins while trusting in the atoning work of Jesus Christ. And because repentance includes confession, we are eager and ready to confess our sins to the Lord. And so let's do that now, brothers and sisters. Whatever the Lord has burdened your heart with, whatever the Spirit has convicted you with, uh, especially as it relates to the unity of the church, especially as it relates to empty conceit and selfish ambitions, uh, bring those sins to the cross of Jesus Christ, confess them in his name, knowing that God forgives and pardons, restores and reconciles.